0: Acast recommends podcasts we love.
1: I'm Sam Bungie, one of the hosts of West Cork, a story about a community on the far south coast of Ireland that became a kind of paradise for people looking for a fresh start.
0: And nobody knew their past. You could be who you wanted to be, rather than who you really were.
1: Then, one newcomer was murdered
0: and another was suspected of doing it. I see him in the market, and really, he's always trying to be normal and trying to get people to like him, but we all know
1: don't we? Listen to West Cork now on Acast
0: Acast powers the world's best podcasts including the Irish History Podcast, the Two Johnnies and the one you're listening to right now
1: everybody. I'm Chloe Madeley, and welcome back to the podcast series three. For those of you that don't know, this is the podcast where I speak to professional athletes, coaches, physique competitors, and all experts in the field of health and fitness. I'm really excited that you guys are joining me. So without further ado, here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast series three. We have a brand spanking new podcast guest on today, and I am so beyond thrilled to have her here. Dr. Amelia Thompson has a PhD in nutrition. She's a physique competitor. She is also a lecturer and an active coach. Her approach is evidence based. So that's science, guys. <laughs> thank God. And she prides herself on her compassion for her clients and healing their broken relationships with food and all their bodies. I am really happy to have you on, Amelia, because I think that you're going to do the world of good for my uh, audience. So thank you so much for
0: coming. Thank you for having me. That was such a nice introduction. I might record that and use it and send it to <laughs> other podcasters. too. This is how you should model your introduction.
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, is that we... I already, I've been following you on Instagram for a few months and I'm, I'm annoyed that I haven't been following you for longer than that because, my God, the content you put out is phenomenal and we can get into it, but your your level of qualifications, education and your level of compassion and experience both with yourself and with your clients, it makes you a really fantastic account for anybody with physique and or just kind of healthy mind, healthy body goals to follow. Um, so before, you know, before we get into kind of the, the nitty-gritty question, Why don't you introduce yourself to to my audience and explain to them how you got started in the health, fitness and physique industries and how you ended up where where you are now?
0: Sure. So although I kind of come from a very academic background, like you said, I have an undergraduate, a master's and a PhD in nutrition or physiology in some way. Um, I kind of fell into it through competing myself. I started off with quite a negative relationship with food so I went through a horrible time with a boy and I fell into really destructive eating habits and it's probably quite a cliche story but I really used food and exercise as my means of control yeah it was my crutch right I'm not going to feel anything I'm just going to train and not eat and everything will be fine and that was me for quite a long time and then when I was doing my PhD I had all the knowledge there and I was still diving myself and overtraining and I went through this breakup and And I worked with a lot of boys and they were like you know come to the gym just get strong and when you feel physically strong you will feel mentally strong and so I started training and like a lot of bikini athletes I kind of started training and I thought everyone was like oh when will you compete and I just started I thought all right okay maybe I should just compete and I fell into bodybuilding from that and Went into bodybuilding, got all my degrees and things, started teaching in sport nutrition. And then I realised when I was in bodybuilding and fitness at that time, there was no evidence-based information out there at all. Like there was nothing. No. When was this? So I started competing in 2006, no, 2014 was my first show. So six years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll know, right? So yeah. it was very, it was like, me- <laughs> it was meal plans and grind harder and that was it. And I, I, off the back of my first show, that was the first proper bulk and cut that I'd done. And I had a coach. And off the back of that, I got, a, I fell back into a really negative relationship with food again. So that had kind of cured me short term. And then extreme dieting has these kind of downsides that I really experienced. And then, then nobody was speaking about it. And I'd speak to people on Instagram and everyone was fine. And you know technically they weren't. But they were very much just hiding under it. Like a guise of saying that they like they were fine I realized then there was a big gap basically I was like nobody's talking about this I've got the evidence I need to find a research in terms of what I can do to support myself and that's kind of how I fell into it I just kind of started word vomiting on Instagram and then realized right I need to put the science out there to support myself and then I kind of started attracting people that wanted to work on their relationship with food and then that escalated from there so, how many competitions did you do
1: in total over how many years, or did you just do the one? I
0: competed for four years in total. It was three wow. and a half, four years a long time. and so I did multiple shows a year and I finished in two thousand and I finished in two thousand and seventeen, so it was three years. I came second in Britain, so I really really went as far as I felt that I could go. came second in Britain and then I was like, do you know what? I can't really go any further. I don't want to take steroids and I I'm 30 I think I was 31 at the time and I was like I can't compete against 21 year olds who may or may not be supported in other ways it wasn't for me Mm. to get any I couldn't do any better than that so I thought now is the time to come out of it and your values change right you know yourself yes you can't extreme diet when you have other values like having a life and doing all these other things there's you can diet but you can't extremely push yourself to what is required for that level of lean so then I just pulled out and I haven't gone back and I don't think that I will go back, to be honest.
1: Do you know what's so funny is that I, I never competed and I did multiple photo shoots a year where I got really very, very lean, like 12, 13% body fat lean, multiple times throughout the course of the year. And I'm, I've been doing this now for nine years and I haven't managed to get as lean as I once could get. And once did get for about the last, I would say two or three years. And I'm always questioning in my head, is it because I've done it now, I've proven to myself that I can do that to my body. I know what it takes. I know how to eat. I know how to train. I know how to look like I've got muscle and low body fat and veins and everything on shoot day. And I'm, I'm good. Therefore, I've proven it to myself. And I just, I don't have that like oomph drive in me anymore that you do fucking need to get to that physique because there's no other way of doing it. You have to be driven as hell or is it because I've done you know metabolic damage uh, having done that multiple times over so many years but then I think no because I probably would have reversed that at this stage I would have guessed or is it just because I don't know I I do half wonder like will I ever do it again and to be totally honest with you I just don't think that I ever will want to again. Is that how you feel about it?
0: That's exactly the same as me. I think it's probably just that you have other things going on in your life. You know, you can do it should you want to do it. But you get to a certain level of lean where after that point, it doesn't become fun. Like it's not very comfortable. You're cold, you're knackered. It's not a fun place to be. And you know that. So you've done it, you've ticked it off, you've said you can do it. But really, it's like, do I want to feel like that again? Probably not. And for me personally, aesthetically, I'm like, I don't want to look like that again either. So that's that's kind of my driver. But you've got so much going on, it's probably just that. Actually, you know yourself, right? If you get to that level, it will detract from other things. And it's like, it's probably not worth it anymore.
1: It's not, and like I look back at like the when I when I was really in the thick of it, it was at the beginning of my now the relationship with my now husband. And I remember it being like, at like England celebrations when they'd won tournaments and I wasn't drinking and I wasn't eating the food there because I couldn't eat the food there because it didn't fit into my numbers. And I look back now and I'm partly, I'm like, go on me. like I'm such a strong little Funny and I cracked it and good me and I look back as well and I'm like why the fuck did I do that <laughs> like, I've wasted that whole thing it's so funny and like I read something that you wrote and I and I wanted to ask you about it so you said um many people believe that you can't have aesthetic goals alongside a focus on health but I firmly believe that there is a time and a place for all and that really resonated with me because I completely agree with that that sentiment it goes without saying that getting stage lean requires a level of commitment that isn't healthy and therefore you, you can't maintain maintain it and it will often lead to to bad relationships with food and body image so tell me in in terms of your coaching style how do you coach somebody with short-term physique goals and you as a coach having their long-term physicality and mental health in mind how do you balance that
0: so it's so tough it's so tough because people often will it's very hard to show the health side of things you can't show this person is healthier now but they look exactly the same so people don't really like, it's hard to get the buy-in from clients. Not, I'm not talking about selling it. I'm talking about just from clients. They're like, well, I'm, 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 I've been doing this for six months and I look almost the same. And it's like, yeah, but now you can go out for dinner and not eat everything that's on your plate and then, then some and then feel bad for a week because you've done it. That to me is progress. You have to have those short and long-term goals like anything else. I will always work with a client to make sure the relationship with food is good first and then I'll say, right, if you get this this, and um, this nailed, you show me that you've got a good relationship with food. You're not kind of going on blowout nights and you're not over restricting out of guilt or compensating with exercise. Great. You're in a good place. Now we can diet. And I think it's about keeping in the good habits that you put in place when you're not dieting through dieting and, and what I mean by that is things like keeping a really flexible approach is the best thing you can do for your health making sure that you are practicing you're compassionate in your approach so you don't speak to yourself like a dick when you eat a yeah. full pizza you're not like oh my god I can't believe really I've done that I'm a failure I, like I'm just going to stuff my face in and I'm going to start fresh on Monday and that sort of thing that's okay like it's moving away from that and saying do you know what that pizza was fucking delicious and tomorrow <laughs> I'm just going to get up you know like it's just a difference in the way you approach it, right? It's coming from a place of I care about myself. These are my goals and I'm choosing to do all of these things versus I hate my body. I'm going to restrict myself and feel bad about everything that I put in my mouth and punish myself with exercise.
1: I think that's so true. And like I, I had um, Hayley Madigan, who I'm sure you know, I had her on the podcast uh, recently as well. And it's really interesting, you know, you do get to a point where you actually start to really um, understand the science behind body fat gain and body fat loss. And when you get to that point and you start to be more forgiving of yourself and accept that we're all human and, you know, we all live in a world which is very excited by and passionate about food you start to understand that it's okay to take responsibility for your decisions that you know might lead you to gain some body fat because you also know how to take it off. And you also know that it doesn't define you. It's literally an equation. Um, I find it interesting as well that, you know, Haley's obviously gone through this whole thing and she's probably got less qualifications than you, but I would say that her level of experience with competing and coming out kind of the, the shit shit heap end of it is very similar do you find that a lot of your clientele come to you are ex competitors or are coming from that physique world
0: yep so many of my clients come from from bodybuilding or having done extreme photo shoots and even people that will come to me on instagram and they'll say i'm currently working with another coach to diet but i'm binge eating or but i've got this really crap relationship with food and i just think like my god like stop but A lot of people just don't recognize it. A lot of my clients come from that because it's not competing, it's extreme dieting.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting how you say like, you know, someone will come to you with binge eating disorder and I can say that I'm a coach too. I would say a a substantial percentage of my clients have binge eating disorder or had it. It's really interesting how your first thought would be, okay, so now you have to stop. We have to stop focusing on this goal, right, that you have to get to because we can't focus on that and heal this this problem that you're having, this kind of trauma around food and and the shame cycle. And it is so interesting, and I've had this too, how many people turn around, they're like, no, 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 no. I still want to hit the goal. I just need you to help me get over this. And it's like, no, babe, we, we, we cannot do both.
0: ACAST recommends... Podcasts we love.
1: I'm Sam Bungie, one of the hosts of West Cork. A story about a community on the far south coast of Ireland that became a kind of paradise for people looking for a fresh start.
0: And nobody knew their past. You could be who you wanted to be, rather than who you really were. Then,
1: one newcomer was murdered, and another was suspected of doing it. I see him in the market, and really, he's always trying to be normal and trying to get people to like him. But we all know, don't we? Listen to West Cork now on ACAST.
0: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts, including the Irish History Podcast, the Two Johnnies, and the one you're listening to right now.
1: Do you have any, like tips um or tricks that you kind of give your clients that kind of coax them into introducing practicing and then developing a much better relationship around food and their body and the shame spiral
0: yeah you're so right like you're the, the word shame is just so like ingrained in anyone with a disordered relationship with food it's you're like you're so right shame and there's one of my favorite authors I don't know if you've heard of Brene Brown
1: yes yes, yes, amazing
0: Yeah she's so good and one of her quotes like I put it in all my lectures when I'm talking about this stuff is um, shame corrodes the very part of us that is capable of change and it's like as soon as you feel shame you are stuck and you're stifled and you can't move through it so it's about taking that away in some way and the best way to do that is by practicing self-compassion and that is um, kindness so self-kindness particularly talking to yourself like you respect yourself, like you love yourself, treating yourself, you know, hashtag self care and all that side of stuff. That's the first thing. The second thing is accepting that you're human and you already said that earlier, but it's about saying, you know, this is this is human. Everyone eats to the point of overfill sometimes. If one likes pizza, that's okay. It's just human life. I'm human. And the third one is mindfulness. And that's just about basically being aware of your thoughts and being self-aware. And mindfulness you can incorporate really easily in terms of you can start meditating, you can be mindful in your eating. That's really a simple one that you can start incorporating, which is just about being present, taking your time with your food, noticing what it tastes like, basically all the stuff that we don't do normally when we're sat on our phone scrolling and inhaling our food. So (laughs) if you work on those three things, Um, and there's loads of strategies you can use on each of those three strands that develops this kind of space of compassion as long as you are doing the work on yourself most people just don't want to do it because it's not tangible right you can't track it in my fitness pal and you can't (laughs) yeah in your picture so they're like no I don't want I don't want to put the work in but it's like you can't you've got to put the work in
1: Everybody is different and everybody needs a different approach. And you're completely right when you say that like people who come in from eating disorders tend to do really well in the bodybuilding world. They tend to be high achievers in the academic world. Um, and, and this is because they get great self-comfort out of control. And so if you con- you're controlling how many sessions you have a week in the gym, you're controlling how many calories you have in a day. You know, you're know, you controlling how many hours of study you do before an exam. These people are tend to be high achievers, but it can often go so far that it then becomes the undoing of them and it's really hard and I've I've suffered with this in the past and I'm, I'm completely at peace with it now but I would say a couple of years ago when I decided I didn't want to do that, that to myself anymore I didn't want to push and push and push and push to the point of burnout and the fact that I was just fucking miserable I finally come to a place now where I accept that a little bit of chaos that I can't control is part of life that there, there can be calm in a storm as long as I I handle it calm and I kind of I go with it how long after you realised that, um, you know, you developed kind of a, a shitty relationship with food and your body and, and how you spoke to yourself, how long did it take you to get to a point where you're at now where you feel more at
0: ease and at peace with yourself and your life? Good question. And um, I'd say for me, so I obviously got out of one disordered relationship with food from just under eating, into another with competing. And then competing kind of massed it for that three and a half, four years that I was competing for. So I would never say during that time, yes, it got better. But I would never say in that time I had I was at peace, like you're saying that you're at now and I'm at now. You still have those tendencies. You're still overtraining and things like that. I, I finished competing, like I said, 2017. Then I dieted again quite harshly in 2018 under the guise of like a kind of healthy lifestyle diet. But it was still dieting to the point where I was I, I was too lean. Um, And that was 2018 and it's now 2020. So two years, I'd say, out of two years, I haven't really dieted for, I've dieted a little bit, but I haven't had any sort of negative relationship with food whatsoever. But I think that that seems like quite a long time. But then you think, well, if you've had some sort of dodgy relationship with food since you were, say, 15 years old, which it was for me in some way, up to the age of 32, like that's 17 years that you're using food in some ways for your like to manage your emotions and things. So two years to get out of it, like, do you know, that's okay. Like, I don't know, do you, for you, did you have back date way before you went into like extreme diet and did you have any issues with food before that or was it just dieting that you got to? it?
1: Do you know what's so funny is that I I was always super body confident, like super body confident. I, I was always really insecure about my face because I, <laughs> ever since I was little, people would be like, oh, you look so much like your dad. You look so much like your dad. And look, my dad's a really good looking man, but he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always like, uh, really insecure about my face and super body confident. But I was never, you know, I was never petite, small, skinny. I was always very, very curvy with a, with a lot of extra body fat. And I was completely fine with it. And what's really interesting is that I started training because I loved how it felt when I started weightlifting. It was my my now ex-boyfriend was a bodybuilder. He took me to the gym and he taught me how to lift. And I loved how, like, I'm a really anxious person. I loved how it made me feel. It made me feel strong and focused and present. And if you're anxious, like it's the holy grail, like it forced me to be present. And then I, he was, I was like, oh, I wonder why I don't look any different after a few weeks. And he was like, well, why don't we just change your nutrition and, and then you'll see. And I was like, okay. Then I obviously started liking what I saw. I got more and more into it. I started getting kind of more qualified and doing more research and I managed to get myself to a pretty amazing level. And that basically got me into kind of a period of years of yo-yo dieting and, and really having a hard time by the end of it, feeling a lot of pressure that I had to look a certain way to work in my industry. Otherwise I was just a piece of shit and and it got to the point where like 2 years ago i was going to a wedding in fiji with my with my now husband and i just decided it was so funny like we landed and i just decided i was done i just didn't want to do it anymore and i had lots of conversations with lots of mutual friends in our industry and i was just done with it and i kind of i don't feel like healed but i'm i feel happier and healthier and and more in control of the fact that i'm not in control if that makes sense yeah
0: that's all so funny like i do think sometimes it's just like a click moment of just like this is just not the right thing for me anymore and it's it's it can happen just like that like I'm the same as you I'm a really anxious person and over the summer I had my nervous breakdown and I found that actually <laughs> god it was it was a delight but it was the worst I'd what ever happened I, what oh happened my god, it, it was it was so bad like I ended up in hospital with a basically with a nervous breakdown there were lots of factors leading up to that point and there was physiological things going on it was a big shit show of things plus 2020 right just to add to that um and so I <laughs> <Joy. but, laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> honestly honestly but I found that I was up into that point I found that I started mindless eating again I would eat like eat to the point of almost pay more often. and I haven't done that in years and I was like why is this happening again and I realized it's because I was anxious I wasn't dealing with my feelings and I'd I'd let that work go so I'd still meditate and I would do all the things that I know I'm supposed to do but I think if you don't consistently practice it it does you do kind of get conditioned to go back to thinking oh maybe I should diet or maybe I should or maybe I don't look the way that I should or you can have low body image days and I think that it's just it's a constant work in progress because ultimately like, it is. we're surrounded by it all the time, every single day. I don't care how many Instagram posts you see of someone saying this is what everyone looks like, this is real, this is my cellulite. I don't care how many of those pictures you see. Ultimately, we're still in a world where women are judged by the way they look. You, you yeah. can't avoid it.
1: I truly believe that it is a constant work in progress because as you're you're right, society teaches us that what is most valued about a woman is how attractive she is. It is a constant work in progress. So I was going to ask you, how do you find it now when you feel like you've gained a little bit more weight or, you know, you're having a bad body image day? Like, how do you talk yourself through that?
0: yeah I think well first of all I don't I don't even know if I've gained weight like I don't own scales I've weighed myself in three years so I actually would never technically know and I think that's one of the best things that any woman can do really even if people that are looking to lose body fat like I have some clients who will weigh some clients who don't doesn't tell you anything that you don't already feel or know or see so that's kind of the first thing to be honest I don't have bad body image shit at days generally like I'm quite like you like my thing is my face it's always been my face my body I'm like eh, like whatever so I often like will force myself to deal with something so say I have, I'm having a bad day with my face I'm like I'm going to put an Instagram picture up of or a video up of me without any filter really force myself just to put it out there and feel confident in that and like so body image has got loads of different like strands shit one of the strands to it is what we call body image flexibility and that's basically A term that she used to describe, if you can get up in the morning and you're having a quote-unquote fat day, you can say, do you know what? I'm going to get put on my baggiest clothes and I'm going to go out and live my best life just like I would if I wasn't having a fat day. And that's a really good sign that you've got a good body image because you can just live your life without it affecting you. We know that body image plummets when you've got PMS. We know that. So you can rationalise it be like, it's my PMS, I can ignore it. Or it's because you feel low and Often, what happens is we get drops in body image because actually we're heartbroken or because we're stressed or we're anxious, and it, it, we genuinely believe that we're fatter that day. But actually, it's got nothing to do with our bodies; not changed. It's just in our head. So rationalising yeah. it like that is really, really helpful. And then forcing yourself just to go out and just do what you normally do, I think, is the best thing you can possibly do. Don't weigh yourself. Don't look in the mirror.
1: When I'm like a fatless phase and I'm getting lean, I don't think I can walk past the surface and not see what my body looks like at that point in the day, even if it's like 20 minutes later than when I last did it. And it's so fucking unhealthy because all it's doing is perpetuating the cycle of being obsessed with how you look. And you know, much like me, and I was just saying that me and Emma always say to our clients, you're probably not going to fucking fall in love with your cellulite, You like get over it. Like get over that. Yeah. As much it's just another thing that you're never going to do. Like you're never going to get rid of it. You're never going to fall in love with it. Sit with it and accept it. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I think yeah, it's just another way of constantly making yourself feel like you've got further to go.
0: Yeah, so exactly that, and I was the same when I was competing. I would always like every time I went to the toilet at work, I'd be like, "Oh, look at my delts! Like, get over yourself and stop looking at yourself!" Like, it's... <laughs> but now I'm like, no. "Stop
1: looking at your fucking delts." This, <laughs>
0: yeah. so
1: this is, um, one question I wanted to ask you about, although it is really fun when your delts first grow and you're like, "Oh my god, I have <laughs> shoulders!" I was gonna ask you like. When your clients come to you, what are the common struggles that they come to you with? Like what are the really kind of daily things that you're like, oh my God, every day I have to deal with this? What do you find that women are really, are really kind of getting in a headspin about right now? Yeah,
0: I think usually it is emotional eating or you know, well was emotional eating. That seems to be really common, or lack of ability to live a normal life because food is distracting them. So things like not being able to go out for dinner with their with their boyfriends because they are too worried about how they would track it people who have really quote-unquote good weeks and then it gets to the weekend and then they have a quote-unquote bad weekend because they don't they don't know how to be mindful they have they just most people now have this kind of idea that foods are good or bad and then they fall into this cycle of just constant overeat restrict overeat restrict and that's generally, that's generally the type of person I work with, not the kind of clinical eating disorder, but on the road, potentially, if they don't get their relationship with food sorted. And a lot of the time, like I have clients who work with me for six months and they're like, I'm just crying every day. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but this is your life now. And it's like you, you transition out of just being like this stone cold, everything is fine to like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm crying at the TV. Like, what even is this? That's a really good sign. Usually,
1: <laughs> no, it is. I I say this all the time. So I have a a weekly therapist because I think I'm a bit like you and I, I'm quite an anxious person. I had a really bad September October this year, but it was really, 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 really tough. And I I have a therapist that I see once a week and. I was just, I would just sit there in sessions with him and just cry and cry and cry. And I would always be like, I'm so sorry. Like, I would always apologize to him. And he's a fucking therapist, like he cares. <laughs> but I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he'd always be like, No, this is really good. You're really in touch with your emotions and how you're feeling and what's going on. And it's it's a good thing that you're crying because it means that we're going to, we're progressing you. We're getting you to a point. And I would say in the last five sessions I've had with him, I haven't cried once. And he's like, See, like, we're doing better. With, and I'm not, you know, I'm yeah. not. Pretending or anything. Um, I, I always say this: like emotions are all transitory. Be they happiness, sadness, even anxiety is an emotion. Believe it or not, it is. Um, and even depression is uh, can be circumstantial and is often transitory. Not for everybody. For some people, it genuinely is a chemical imbalance in the brain that needs treating with medication. But for the vast majority of people who experience depression. It is one hundred percent a psychological hurdle and a horrible one at that, but that we're all capable of getting over and putting behind us. And it's really interesting that you you spoke about this. So um, I I listen to a lot of mental health podcasts because I'm mental, <laughs> mentally <laughs> unhealthy. Um, and, I, and there's this amazing um, therapist called Rick, and he was like, "I will prove to you that it's that emotion is all about." perception and how you choose to perceive something so he says to he says to one well maybe I'll do it to you now so if I say to you like Amelia rate your day on a scale of one to ten one being shit and ten being the best day you've ever had
0: okay I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a six six
1: a six okay and why is the six
0: not a ten because the best day I ever had probably wasn't in lockdown on my own (laughs) (laughs) and it involved more cake than this day
1: (laughs) (laughs) loads more cake lemon drizzle if you will and why (laughs) was your day not a one the shittest day ever
0: because I'm laughing now and because I did some yoga um it's probably about it to be honest I achieved some things there we go
1: (laughs) you achieved something so if you stand if you stand at that one and you look up at that six you go wow I had a fucking good day I had very close to the best day. This is amazing. And if you stand at the 10 and you look down at the six and you go, oh, I didn't quite make it up here. What a shit day. What a fucking piece of shit. failure I am. <laughs> then that will determine how you feel your day actually went in the end because in the end you're still going to be a six either which way but you can be you can feel fucking good about that six (laughs) or you can feel really fucking shit about that six and this is this thing that he did and I was just listening to it and I was like yes (laughs) yes oh my god and look don't get me wrong it's so much harder to put into practice especially every day than it is to just listen to that and be like oh my god I'm I'm saved but um I just thought it was fantastic I like
0: that a lot do you know what sometimes it's think like it's things like that that you just listen to and you go do you know what that's completely changed my perspective sometimes it's just like one little click moment and if I think if people didn't like I always encourage my clients to journal like to encourage them to talk about their feelings on paper get them out of their head if if I said to a client right like, you're going to do this task once a week in your journal you're going to number your number your day and do it like that I bet it would have a good impact for some people I quite like that yeah I might start using that <laughs>
1: Well, Emma does this. Emma encourages all of our clients to um, to journal. And I always take the piss out of her, even though she's the most mentally healthy person I've ever met in my whole <laughs> life, right? I'm always taking the piss out of her. because so I'm like, oh, I journal. I'm so American. She's like, fuck off. It's a really good thing for everyone to do. But people love it. Like, it really helps a lot of people, like, get basically be able to kind of vomit their emotion out and then be able to sit with it. So it is yeah. a good thing to do.
0: Yeah. Do you know when some um, are... I journaled in summer. I like to journal on full moon. I'm very like spiritual, right? And I journal on full moon and then I burn it. So it's like getting released, right? And I just moved into my new house and burnt my situation that just about put me in hospital, burnt it, put it on the candle and the whole of my brand new wall in my brand new decorated house went up in flames. And I was like this is fucking 2020 like me trying to burn the shit away has set my brand new house on fire I was like I just that's how much hatred was in that journal but it does work by the way See, I would push you and be like what happened but we don't want to go down
1: that path and I have and Emma always tells me I have a tendency to ask people two personal questions she's like don't ask it don't ask it I'm like but what happened though but it's fine like, we'll move on um <laughs>
0: I've been in hospital three separate times. One was the big three-week stay in the coma. Number two was the nerve damage diagnosis. Number three was a surprise attack out of nowhere and I couldn't breathe properly. You know, perfectly healthy 17-year-old, no underlying conditions. It's crazy. Behind
1: every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. you you briefly touched on good versus bad food and i think look hopefully my following and my followers will will understand that of course, there is like lower calorie or kind of higher nutrition foods. And then, of course, there are kind of higher calorie, lower nutrition foods. And of course, there is room for all of the above in your day to day diet, which will likely lead you to have a very happy, healthy relationship with food and a very good understanding of food and their roles and various roles in the body. So my fourth book which is called Eating for Results, and it's essentially a cookbook with higher calorie recipes for hypertrophy and performance, lower calorie recipes for fat loss, and then kind of more healthy meals for like the health mindset nutrition sect Um, but I wanted to ask you Amelia because you obviously have such a good handle on this and so much experience with it in terms of advising my audience what is your general approach to food in terms of nutritious whole foods and you know if it fits your macros uh kind of numbers game with junk how do you approach it and how do you coach it good
0: question I think regardless of your goals your nutrition should be an inclusive diet so it's not about excluding certain things although for some people they might find that reducing say carbohydrates is an easy way for them to drop body fat because it reduces their calories as an example but it's about including so it's about what can I include within my within my macros or not if you're not tracking that is going to add to my Health or work help me towards my goals today, and that might be that you include chocolate because you've got PMS, and that's really going to help you manage your PMS that day and manage your mood and stop me from emotionally eating later in the day. Great, that's great, that's supportive and that's inclusive. Or it might be I'm choosing to include much more fruit and vegetables and fiber today because I actually want a deficit and this is going to increase my food volume and it's good for me because it's filled with micronutrients and so it's I think removing any sort of morality around food is so important like you said it's not about saying I'm just I can't eat any pizza anymore on my diet like even if I go on like a slight diet now which might last like a couple of weeks like if I if I notice maybe my clothes are tighter or whatever I will still keep like pizza in pretty much every week because for me that keeps me sane but I'll maybe just I'll say that I include pizza in my diet framework because that may, that I enjoy that and then I maybe just take something else out somewhere else and I think that I just think that's where every, like people go wrong and there's two different types of diet and you can be rigid or you can be flexible and rigid diet and there's things like removal of food groups fasting meal plans like strict meal plans those things are gonna negatively impact your relationship with food. The more flexible you can be, the better. For your health and for your sanity and for your enjoyment. And with my clients, I might set them targets like include a whole green source in your diet every day or eat 30 different plants and fruits and vegetables this week or whatever it is. Think about what you can include, even if it is yeah, fat loss.
1: I love that. I like I tend to find like Specifically, look. Let us let, call a spade a spade. The vast majority of my clients are coming to me with fat loss goals. Some of them are coming to me with hypertrophy goals. Few of them are coming to me with performance goals, and that tends to be the makeup of them. And it's really interesting because what I'll tell them to do is like make sure that, you know, if let's say fat loss goal, all your meals throughout the day are focused on, you know, protein and either fruit or veg. if it's a sweet, let's say like a sweet meal, you can do like fruit and Greek yogurt or if it's a savory meal, you can do like, I don't know, a massive bowl of roasted veggies and some marinated, you know chicken or steak or whatever the fuck you want and then I say to them and then if after eating that you're hungry and you want your quote-unquote bad food like your chocolate bar or your bag of hula hoops fuck me hula hoops I need to have a bag of hula hoops I How forgot existed I said that that's so good um if you if you if you want to have a bag of hula hoops whatever your quote unquote bad food is or if it's dinner time you know your your glass of wine Absolutely go for it. That's fine. Because then I feel like I'm making sure that they're nutritionally sound. I'm making sure that they're satiated because obviously protein and veg and, you know, fiber and the thermic effect of food i'm like hey they, they're good with that and then mentally if they feel like they still really want something i'm not telling them they can't have it i'm saying you can absolutely have it and a lot of the time they're like oh no i was full at that point so it gone and a lot of the time they're like no i still wanted the fucking chocolate bar so i have the chocolate bar and yeah. i think it's a really good way to approach it because i think people forget that like health and fitness encompasses mental health physical health emotional health social health even like medicinal health in some cases and i think people forget about that kind of broad spectrum of health
0: here. you're so right like you're buying the money there's some people that i know that that get prepped by bodybuilding coaches but they're not competing so they're like they call themselves like more lifestyle clients and they won't allow themselves to go out for dinner and there's and they'll be full like so you'll get these people that like track all their metrics right so they'll track their their heart rate variability their best in heart rate their steps their sleep everything and then they won't go out for dinner I'm like do you know that actually like social interaction reduces your risk of of death of early of premature death and, and reduce risk of x y and z by having a social interaction and therefore going out for dinner sometimes whilst you're at home saying I'm not going to do these things because I'm going to get optimal sleep I'm going to hit my macros it's like that's the opposite of health I'm like yeah 80% of the time that's great for you if that works for you but it's like all of those other things like you just mentioned are so important for health mental health um is so important and i mean we've seen that in 2020 right how many people's mental health has suffered because they don't have the gym as their coping strategy and all these people that are like i'm freaked out about the gym because my body composition it's like that's that's fair like you know you're allowed to have that's a valid concern but realistically most people have suffered because they don't have the mental outlet and i really actually hope that people look at it more as a as a choice that they're doing to improve their other aspects of health rather than they think about it just in terms of like calories because hopefully people have managed to use this year to reframe it a little bit and say this makes me feel good rather than that's my punishment hopefully but yeah you're totally you've hit the nail on the head with like I just wish people would look more at health as a much more holistic thing rather than just 100 calories is not health not that a deficit is not healthy, but calories on its own is not healthy.
1: I love that you say that, though, because I think there are a lot of coaches. Look, you know, both of us are evidence-based approach. Obviously, Amelia, we're both qualified. Amelia has a shit ton more qualifications than I have. But we're both evidence-based and um, we're both qualified. And we both know that calories in, v calories out determines kind of storage of energy in the body, right? So body fat, whatever or the ability to to kind of have an effective hypertrophy phase by, you know, helping you, you know, gain lean mass. And round and round we go. But there is so much fucking more to nutrition and training and life than calories. And there are so many coaches out there who are also evidence-based but dogmatically so as in that's the only thing that matters who I see on Instagram every day just screaming at their followers calories calories but I have PCOS calories but I I have binge eating disorder calories and I'm like oh my god shut the fuck up like yeah how do you fight? How do you how are you taking on like this kind of new wave of it seems to be predominantly male coaches who just shout and scream about calories all day long?
0: Oh, my God, it drives me absolutely bonkers. And it's like, do you know what, every time you do that and you make people feel stupid for not thinking about for not being able to set your calories, you're then shaming them. And then they feel ashamed that they can't set your diet and then they can't change anyway because they're stuck in the shame cycle. It's like, why can't you see that you're perpetuating this and you're just doing it to sound like a condescending, patronizing asshole, basically, a lot of them. Um, Do you know what? Like I used to be quite on the fence. Like I wouldn't want to offend anyone. Whereas now I'm like, do you know what? I'm in a prime position similar to you, similar to Emma. We're in prime positions where bodybuilding type of people, like they know who we are. So they, they can still hear us. Even if they don't want to listen, they can hear us. So I kind of take it on myself where I'm like, this is my responsibility to shout about this stuff. I will talk about "Quote unquote" cheat meals every single week. I did it today because I'm like, if I if I see one more bodybuilding coach preaching calories and cheat meals, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna pull my hair out. So (laughs) I I just think, do you know what? I I I don't. Women have this fear of coming across if they are too strong minded that they fear that they're going to come come across as egotistical or arrogant or whatever it is. And it's like, do you know what? Men don't have that fear. Men are respected for when they do that. So screw it. Like. I'm going to be that person and, and and if they don't like it, then tough. Like I think, like with my clients, I'd say half of them track, half of them don't track. I've had clients who I will set the macros when they start and then I never look at their nutrition again. They work with me for two years. I'll never look at their calories again, sorry, but they'll work with me for two years because we do all this other stuff around it and it's like, that—that that, that's health. Fat loss is health too for a lot of people, but it's like, there's just so much that's more to coaching. it. coaching. No. So
1: fat loss isn't coaching. A good coach isn't... I could get anybody in the whole world to lose fat. I'd just starve them. Just starve yeah. them. That's not a fucking good coach. Like, it's so crazy to me. And I love that. I love the point you just made about the perceptions of women being mouthy, Larry, ruining the atmosphere, like being like too brash, too in your face, you know, whereas men do it. And it's just like lad, banter, jokes. Like, he's a leader. He's strong. Like, he he's a pioneer. I'm sick of it. And I, well, not on, on couples quarantine. I don't know if you've heard of um, Salma El Wadani. She's this feminist, um, Muslim, like, poet and kind of a political writer. She's fucking ace. And she um, she sat there and, she, and I said to her, on couples quarantine, I get heat from men sometimes who are like, fuck me, Haskell, your missus is a mouthpiece. He's the biggest mouthpiece I've ever met in my life. Ain't nobody saying that shit to him. And I'm like, I love that you're like, how come men can be like this and women can't? And I love that you're standing up and saying that because women need to fucking hear it.
0: Do you know what? Like, Emma will say this all the time. Like, I I will probably mention the patriarchy once a week. And I'm like, I am that killjoy feminist that that tries to speak up but it's so important I had an argument with this bodybuilding coach literally before our podcast because he put up a really derogatory post and I actually messaged him and said are you not working with female clients anymore like, why do you say that I said because your content is so sexist and so derogatory I'd be surprised if anyone wanted to work with you I said I know you didn't ask for my opinion but I'm giving you an enemy we got into <laughs> a bit of a, a debate, and he said it's enter-, he's like it's entertainment people want to see that they think it's funny and I was like, "Do you know what? If you have any sort of following, you have a responsibility to say this is this is what sexism is in this health and fitness space, and it's not okay because it it perpetuates everything, it perpetuates the dark side of dieting that that comes with yeah. people who are already lean who think they should be leaner because women want to take up less space. There's all it's so intertwined in what we do. Like you can't ignore it. And then he's like implying that I'm boring and it's not, and I'm not funny because I, I, I'm too serious talking about these issues. It's like." do you know what feminism is a serious issue it doesn't mean I can't be funny it also just means I'm not going to put up with you your bullshit like
1: no I love you for that it's like come on love have a laugh lighten up yeah but the thing is is that like you don't understand how many women and I grew up thinking sexism was extinct I was lucky enough I went to a mixed school I have brothers I my dad is a bigger feminist than I am Mm -hmm. I just grew up thinking it was done and then I started my own business and man alive, was I fucking wrong. And, I, and now, you know, I'm married to a rugby player and I do get the irony of that because, you know, <laughs> he can be ever so slightly misogynistic from time to time. But I, I am now coming to the terms with the fact that I have spent my whole life thinking that I as a woman had to be small and delicate and waif because that made me unthreatening and feminine. And let's be honest, weak week Mm -hmm. um and 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 what who does that serve it doesn't serve me it doesn't serve fellow women it doesn't serve anyone and actually i i the older i get the more i'm like fuck this shit like i'll swear and i'll speak about sex and i will talk about i'll talk about the fact that you know we have to walk home at night if it's dark with our key between our fingers because that's the only weapon we get against against a six-foot man who we're not gonna (laughs) like we have to talk about it and be really open about it and if we don't shout and scream about it Nothing will ever change.
0: Yep, absolutely that, and it's so prevalent in fitness and, and health. So prevalent, it's like the, the the gym's been shut and them telling us to train outside. It's like, so what? Like, I'm gonna go off this podcast. It's gonna be what five six o'clock, and I'm gonna go outside in the dark and, and just walk on my own. I'm I'm terrified to walk on my own in the streets without <laughs> street lights. And it's like, thanks Boris, but like that's fine for a man, but it's not fine for a woman. And it's like it manifests in in everything in everything that we do. So you cannot sit there and like I said Emma gets annoyed at me sometimes because so I, I go on about it a lot but it's it impacts everything it really really does but then you've got this wave of like the people who are against dieting right and the people who are like you only want too. to yeah yeah you only want to diet because you want to make yourself be smaller for men and it's like no actually I want to diet because I prefer my body that way or
1: I want the challenge that's completely fine I'm unhealthy I've got (laughs) 20 30 pounds to lose before I'm at a healthy body fat percentage it doesn't necessarily mean that you this is so true like what happened to nuance what happened to subjectivity what happened to like it's that just none uh, there's no con and this is actually one thing i love about podcasting is that i feel like we get context but then the daily mail I write about my podcast and take all the context away and i'm like wow did i just shoot myself in um okay i could i literally admit mean i could talk to you forever and i feel like we're just getting into it but i mean there will be a series four and i will have you back so i just want to leave you with the floor to promote whatever you want any business venture anything you're doing that you want to talk about and tell people to look at um, but also, to leave people with anything you want to leave them with whether it's a joke or a message or whatever it is but just speak for a couple minutes and then uh and then I'll let you go walk in the dark (laughs) (laughs)
0: thanks I'll get my key and my knuckles ready to go (laughs) uh yeah I think do you know what my only message it's not even going to be funny but my only message is Start treat start treating yourself better, regardless of if your goals are fat loss, if your goals are health, if your goals are nothing to do with your body whatsoever. It's like treat yourself better. And as soon as you start to respect yourself and treat yourself well, everything else falls into place. You, like whatever that goal is, I think we are. So we think that if we grind harder and we and we restrict harder, that that's going to get us results. And it it that's not how it works. Like you will always end up back to where you back where you started that's why a lot of diets fail because we go into it with this hatred so treat like treat yourself better actively work on it every single day it's not something that you wake up and say do you know what i love myself today sorry that's not going to happen you need to put the work in every single day to do it and stop trying to like you said stop trying to force yourself to love your body love what your body does say to yourself every day my body allowed me to do x y and z fight off the guy in the dark street like whatever it is my body allowed that rather than saying i'm going to look in the mirror and find something that i really love about myself because that doesn't always happen and that can be really destructive because even these people on instagram don't do that i can guarantee you and i know some of them well they don't do that no definitely not but they appreciate that their bodies are health have healthy cycles and that they they allow them to have sex with their boyfriends and all of these things that's what our bodies are amazing for so that's why i'd say i think in terms of like me I run like you said I run a business with Emma we run eIQ nutrition and this is where we try and get this message across to coaches and people who just want to learn nutrition for themselves it's holistic it's compassionate and it's evidence-based and it's an online course that just allows you to learn this stuff about how to incorporate compassion into your dieting or your client's dieting and how to stop emotionally ting, stress eating. All of these things are incorporated into basically nutri- under the guise of nutrition, because that's actually really what's important and what makes the difference.
1: Where can everybody find you on Instagram?
0: My Instagram is Emilia Thompson PhD, and my and EIQ is EIQ Nutrition.
1: Everybody go follow because if you not only does this girl know you know her science, which is pretty much all you need to change your body, but she also gets human behaviour, which is. Um, actually more important (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to actually changing your body i think we'd all be better if we were trained therapists but there you go um amelia thank you so much for coming and uh guys i will see you next week for another hopefully brilliant as brilliant as this episode of the podcast that's it for today's episode thank you guys so much for listening please remember to hit that subscribe button or that follow link so that you can be notified as soon as new episodes are released and don't forget to follow me on instagram at maidly chloe for more health and fitness posts
0: sports social podcast network